Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 54th episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and today's interview is with Lee Bardugo. She is a young adult author best known for her Grisha trilogy, as well as her number one New York Times best-selling title, Six of Crows. She recently had a new title come out called Crooked Kingdom, which is a sequel to Six of Crows. It just came out last week, and I was able to sit down with her while she was visiting Cleveland to do a author event at one of our local libraries, where she sat down for about an hour and took questions from a number of her readers, which was a really cool event to be a part of. Uh, Lee is a lot of fun. We had a great time talking about the fantasy genre in general, what inspires her, um, a lot of the stuff that we have in common, whether it's movies and shows and things like that that we like. Uh, She brought up Harry Potter and Hamilton, so that always is a big plus in my book, of course, and I really think you're going to enjoy hearing her talk about her new book and, again, just her experience as a writer in general. If you want to get a hold of Jill and I, you can email us at feedback at overdrive.com. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us on social media, we're available on Twitter and Pinterest and Facebook. Just search Overdrive for Libraries. You will find us very easily in any of those places. You can also leave us messages in iTunes, um, leave us a review, give us five stars if you want. We greatly appreciate that as well. Again, if you're also looking for book recommendations, just feel free to shoot us an email. We'll be happy to let you know some titles that you might enjoy based on what you've been reading. All right, not going to keep you guys too much longer. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast with author Lee Bardugo. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Lee Bardugo, number one New York Times bestselling author and USA Today bestselling author of Six of Crows and the Grisha Trilogy. Her books have been awarded starred reviews from Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, Voya, SLJ, and BCCB. Her latest book, The Crooked Kingdom, is now available. First off, congrats on all of that. That's thank you. so many things, thank and thank you, you for taking some time to chat with us today. My pleasure. So the first thing I want to ask, and we'll definitely get to your books, but hey, did you always want to be an author? Did you kind of know you were always going to do this? Yeah, I mean, you know, there were brief periods in my childhood where I wanted to, like, be an ice princess. Or, well, yeah, of course. Know, an astronaut, right. but... Um, neither of those things panned out. I always wanted to be an author. I was uh, an only child and I used to walk around talking to myself all the time. Uh-huh. And um, and we lived sort of up on this hill and so I would just walk in circles talking <laughs> to myself. Um, and that was my form of entertainment. Um, and I think when I hit junior high, we moved um, and I switched schools and my mom remarried and sort of everything got really rough at home and at school Mm -hmm. and that's when I sort of discovered science fiction and fantasy and writing I started to take really seriously Mm -hmm. and it became this kind of honestly like a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I always wanted to be a writer I have a, a sketch that my friend drew of me when I was 14 of me at my first book signing 
Um, yeah, it's really it's that's kind amazing. Of amazing. Yes, and I have phenomenal cleavage in it. <laughs> great. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, it just took me longer to get there than I expected. I guess. And so, and I because I know you did a few jobs before I you did. came in, Many. quote unquote, full time job. So was that just to kind of pass the time until you got there? I know that you were in journalism and advertising, which is um, kind of copy heavy writing. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of writing jobs. Like mm-hmm. I, I used to write movie trailers for a living. That was kind of the best. Yeah. 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 Did you get to ever do like the voiceover? Like in a world where without justice. <laughs> um, no, I mostly wrote. I was the only woman on staff, and um, they brought me on specifically to pitch to Disney. Mm-hmm. So most of the movies I got to write trailers for were like. Molly was a girl who couldn't catch a break, but she's about to find out the true love. To, you oh, know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my job. Um, but it was actually among writing day jobs. That is not a bad job at all. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a lot of different jobs. I always wanted to be a writer, but I did not know how to write a book. Mm-hmm. And I did not know what my process was. And I had this idea of what writing a book was that I had sort of absorbed from film and television, mm-hmm. where sort of the genius is possessed by the idea. Of course, yeah. You wake yeah. up in the middle of the night, like, right. I have a thought. Exactly. Yeah. You have this brilliant moment of inspiration, and then you work, 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 you mm-hmm. montage, the book gets <laughs> done, and then you have this pile of pages at the end. And then you send that off to the editor, and, right. you know, world fame ensues. And... I did not understand um, what the process of drafting was like. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that writing often was going to feel unfun. Like, writing was always... Do you write at all? I... Not as much as you do. Okay, but... (laughs) I dabble. And you know. Yeah. Like, there are times when writing is just... It feels like you're calling. Mm -hmm. And it feels like this is what I was meant to do. And the story kind of unspools for you. But a lot of the time, it feels like failing yeah. in like tiny ways every moment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that that's really what what the what the struggle of being a creative person actually is. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I would start to write things, and then I would just stop. Yeah, you know, I could handle a short story, but right. I didn't have it in me to write a book. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I've never actually thought of that because I do spend a lot of my time for my job writing, whether mm-hmm. it's blogs or social media or you know long form things. And I'll sit there just staring at a blank page for a while, and I'm like, yeah. I should be working, I should be working. But that's part of the creative process, is kind of figuring out what you're supposed to say. You can't Absolutely. be typing every second of every day. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. So, in your montage, yes. and in your trailers, I'm imagining the song <laughs> Salisbury Hill, because that's in like every trailer. <laughs> so, would you, in your mind, if you had a writing montage, I'm just oh curious, do you have a song? Um... Okay, you know, okay, this is kind of corny, but there's this old Tracy Chapman song called Mm -hmm. Born to Fight. Yeah. And that for me was always my like, like, you can knock me down, but I'm coming back, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that might be my montage song. For putting on the spot, that was a really good job. I didn't really need to do that. I wasn't sure. Like, it's not like a good, like, Eye of the Tiger song, but it's like, it has a lot of, like... You know, I think that it's easy, especially as you get older, to start to rule yourself out. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of questions from people saying, you know, do you have advice for young writers? And I'm always like, I have advice for all writers. Right. Because I didn't write my first book until I was 35. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of jobs, and I had to hustle for a long time. Yeah. And I was a freelancer, and I was all kinds of things. And I think we we run this terrible game on people, young and old, where we start to convince them that there's an expiration date on their talent. Right. And there really isn't. That is a really good way of putting that. Because you're absolutely right. People are like, well, I have to write my first book by the time I'm no. insert age here. No, you do not. No. So stories, be- stories are magical that way. If you want to be an actor, you probably have to like... Get yeah, out yeah that's first. probably... Yeah. yeah, there's like a... They definitely start to... Uh, 
judge you by your looks that's a little what bit ended by my, my olympic figure skating career. oh me too that's yeah. so crazy that we both have that same background um so for our listeners who might not be familiar with your books can you maybe tell us a little bit about six of crows and then your latest book yeah absolutely um six of crows is a fantasy novel um it's a fantasy heist mm-hmm. it's about six kids um who they're all from different backgrounds Um, Some of them have worked together before, but none of them trust each other. Mm -hmm. But they've been offered this job uh, to pull off this heist and break into this fortress that's never been breached before. And if they can do it and they can break out this scientist um, who has secrets in his head that could unleash magical havoc on the world, if they can get him out of there, then they're going to come into this huge sum of money that means something different to all of them. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, they're going to have to work together. And so that's really what the story is about. It's kind of a found family story. Yeah. Sort of like in my mind, I know while I was reading it, this is you can look at me and say I'm way off of it. It's almost like a way better magical version of the usual suspects in my mind. I love the usual okay, suspects. Okay, perfect. I, I'm always, oh my gosh, I absolutely sure. adore that movie. Um, yeah, I always think of it as Ocean's Eleven meets Game of Thrones, but we, uh, most teenagers have never seen Ocean's Eleven. That's, that's, oh my god, is it not that, are we old, that old? Really oh my old. god. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, I'm really old, but um, yeah, it's, it's a sort of a classic heist that way, but with magic in it. Yeah. And speaking of magic and fantasy, you mentioned how kind of earlier in your childhood that was a little bit of like an escape. Yeah. And we're not going to get serious because we said we would both start crying. Mm. But from a <laughs> fantasy standpoint, I'm always blown away by authors when I talk to them about the idea. Like, you're setting the bar so high. Not only are you writing a story, you're creating another world to write that story in. So for you, what is that process like? Is there, I, so I had an author who told me that she starts with a map and then Ooh, kind of builds yeah. out from there. So for you, when you're building a world, like the... The rules of the this world. This is always fascinating to me because they're really, you know, everybody's process is different. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not start with a map. I start with a story. I mm-hmm. start with the characters. And when I write the first draft, I call it the zero draft because it's the draft no one will ever see. <laughs> um, really, the only thing that I have in place is a, a pretty strong sense of how power works in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, you know, how the government works, how the magical system works. And some of those things get fine-tuned through the writing of it. Right. But um, that is really really what exists the sense of place is really not there yet Mm -hmm. and it's only when I get into later drafts and I really start researching that I start to build that out yeah for me the map you know I started drawing a map of the Grisha world when I was working on my first trilogy because I started losing track of where they were yeah like people were traveling I was like I don't what town am I in I don't remember I don't recall and I had to figure out distances and Mm -hmm. then I had to sort of look up like how long it takes to get someplace on a horse and you know like (laughs) how fast armies travel so um I needed that map as a as a way of orienting myself in the story mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I actually went to a George R. R. Martin signing long ago and he talked about the fact that he doesn't that he doesn't build the world first and it made me feel very validated yeah. because I'd sort of thought of you know I'd sort of had Tolkien as the model in my head who had all of his languages and his maps and his histories planned out way ahead of time and that is not me right you know? I so when you're thinking of like you said, how magic will work, how the, you know, the laws will work and things like that. Yeah. The part about the magic always blows my mind in any, any fantasy book because I can imagine someone writing a, a boy meets girl type of a story or a heist type of a story, but I don't think I could ever come up with like, you know what would be amazing? Like if this <laughs> specific person had this specific skill, like is that just you kind of have one of those moments where you're like, oh, that would be really cool. That's so interesting you say that because when I read contemporaries, I just read Becky Albertalli's new book. 
um, the upside of unrequited and, and I'm a big rainbow Ralph fan. Mm -hmm. And whenever I read their books, I'm like, how do they like, cause there's a plot yeah. and there's momentum and there's a shape to it and there's a narrative and there's all the, but there's no like explosions or right. battles, <laughs> you know, and I was like, how do you, how do you even build something like mm -hmm. this? Um, but yeah, I, for me, the magical system in the Grisha world actually began, um, and I should say too, Six of Crows is set in the same world as the Grisha trilogy, mm -hmm. but different country, different cast of characters. So you right. don't have to read the trilogy to read Six of Crows. Um, but I, it started years ago after I saw a movie called Minority Report, and mm -hmm. I got into an argument with some friends about um, sort of the way that mind reading would work. Yeah. And then I started thinking about magic on a kind of molecular level. Like, mm -hmm. what does it look like when you cast a spell or wave a wand? And so that was literally years before I ever got the idea for Shadow and Bone, but it was in the back of my head, right? right? It was in, like, the magical crock pot. Of the right, brain. of course. Magical <laughs> so when I started thinking about the magic of this world, um, that was sort of one of the first things I went to, and, and it led to the small science, which is this kind of magical system that is bounded by essentially very loosely the rules of molecular chemistry mm -hmm. you know there's sort of a spiritual side to it too but that's there and it helped me to keep the magic very limited mm -hmm. which was really important to me yeah because like one of the guiding because i'm a big harry potter fan mm -hmm. and one of the big questions i had while reading it was like why doesn't anybody just shoot Voldemort it, uh, so yeah I, I, and i get that like you know horcruxes etc like it's written but like there was a part of me that's like we know this is a world that that is our world. Yeah. Like, why don't we just muggle up and get it done? You I know? yeah. There's well. First off, you don't you didn't know this, but we almost had like a prerequisite have to hit Harry Potter in every episode. Yeah. So you didn't even know that. So thank you. You are so welcome. But I agree. There's a lot of times in those where I'm like, well, I mean, that's not the most I necessary. I'm willing to make that leap because because I think that she sort of like you never there's really never firearms are never mentioned you know yeah, that kind fair. of military tech is never mentioned um, so I'm definitely willing to go for the ride but I I really wanted to ask the question what happens when you bring a gun to a magic fight mm -hmm. and if you don't have limits on the magic nothing happens you're like yeah. I'm a wizard mm -hmm. I can do whatever I want yeah. you know <laughs> so I wanted a limited magical system where the advent of military technology and things like a repeating rifle and a gatling gun would actually um, put you in danger. Mm -hmm. Like if you'd been relying on magic for defense for a long time, right? All of a sudden, the game changes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what, what, where this question began, but I'm so good at getting on tangents, <laughs> so you don't have to feel bad about that at okay, all. Good. I'll get us back on track here. Okay. So for your writing process, are you the type of person who keeps a strict schedule, keeps a notebook, keeps everything kind of like on a wall? Like this is going to happen here. How does it work for you? Do you get first thing in the morning? I'm, um, I tend to be a late riser. Mm -hmm. I'm not like an early bird. I tend to stay up pretty late working. Um, I, I don't have like a strict schedule mm -hmm. when I am on deadline, which this past year I was sort of on deadline the whole time. Um, I usually have in mind um, maybe a certain number of words or at least certain scenes or sequence that I want to get through. Mm -hmm. I don't like to count words as I go. Sure. Um, but sometimes that becomes necessary. And so especially when I'm in the zero draft phase, um, I really am sort of pushing through on that. But if I, what I often find is, you know, I used to sort of think writers had to work every single day. That was the rule, right? You were mm -hmm. always, you were supposed to get in 1,500 words every day, right. 2,000 words every day. And um, it turns out I don't work that way. Mm -hmm. Like there are days when I write 6,000 words and the days when I write 1,000 words. There are days when I write 200 words and there are days when I write no words. Right. 
And I usually go through like about a, a lot of creativity and then I need to take like a week off or a few days off and really not think about the story for a little bit before mm-hmm. I come back to it. So do you like leave yourself, there's always like the Hemingway, like don't even finish a sentence so you have something to come back to in the morning or do you? I always like to know what the thing I'm going to tackle the next day is. Mm-hmm. And actually before I got my first book deal, I would, so one of the things I always talk about is I like to, I put my Bluetooth in because I like uh-huh. to talk to myself like when I was a kid. Yeah. And in, so that people won't think I'm nuts, I walk around <laughs> with the Bluetooth in as if I'm on my cell phone. That's amazing. And when, before I got my first book deal, I was trying to get myself to finish this book, right? I'd started a lot of books, hadn't finished, I was determined right. to finish Shadow and Bone. And so every morning I would walk to go get my coffee. And, or sometimes it was at night when I was coming, driving home from the set, Mm -hmm. I was working as a makeup and effects artist, and I would um, pretend to talk to, I never actually told anybody this, I would would pretend to talk to my editor, Uh who I did not have, and that be like, so how's it going? What are you, you know, what did you finish today? What are you going to be working on next? That's amazing. So crazy. And, but it was... It helped me to verbalize what I wanted to do and to make it more manageable instead of sitting down at the at the page and then being overwhelmed. Right. And it also helped me when I was like, well, you know, I, I would just articulate, like, I have this scene to do and I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And once I put it out and was talking about it, uh-huh. then it didn't seem like such a big deal. Anymore. Sure. So yes, imaginary friends are the secret I love of that success. you. I love that you went from not telling anyone to telling me on a podcast <laughs> that people will listen to. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I absolutely love about reading, and I've always had this since I was a little kid, is I still get that like butterflies feeling when I open up a new book or discover a new author. Kind of like that like whimsy and nostalgia feeling, yeah. and it happens again. I'm 30 years old. It still happens now. As someone who's kind of in this world, you're ingrained and you write every day and you're interacting with people every day as an author, do you still get that feeling when you open up a new book? It's not... I think there's um, an element of caution now when I open up a new book Uh um, where I'm sort of waiting. I'm waiting for the book to prove itself. Mm -hmm. And when it does, and I think you can tell really quickly, it's that feeling like, oh, dang, I'm in good hands. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the best feeling. Absolutely. Um, And... I, I, I think that that's always sort of a revelation. There are books that also sometimes take a little to warm up where it's like, I'll be like, all right, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it starts clicking, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, like, uh, actually Illuminae was a book like that for me mm-hmm. by Amy Kaufman yeah. and Jay Kristoff. Um, they're good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. So it's scary when you start reading friends <laughs> oh, because yeah. you're like, I really want to like this. Oh, man. And I've told them this. I don't feel bad about saying it, but I was initially like, you know, it's written in found documents, so mm-hmm. it's a little harder to get with it. Right. And then all of a sudden, blam! Right. Like yeah. I was like in it and just you know flipping the pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you. I oh God, it would break my heart to lose that. That makes me so happy. I was really yeah. hoping that was going to be. The yeah. Answer. No, I don't. I think if you're a reader or a writer, you love language. Mm-hmm. And language is, like, it is essentially, like, it's a spellcaster. Yeah. Nobody can explain, like, the alchemy that happens in a sentence. Why putting certain words together makes you have those butterflies mm-hmm. or um, evokes emotion. And if you take one thing out, one syllable, if you move the order of two words, why all of a sudden it falls apart. I and it, And it works, I think, differently almost for, like, here, like an, a book versus, like, an audiobook type of a yes. thing. Like, I might read a book where I'm like, that was a fine book, but then you get a, an audiobook, and if it's someone like Will Wheaton that's narrating it, I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's that must that's be the greatest book ever. Yeah, exactly. So I guess I just wish Will Wheaton was hanging out with me all the time reading me books. 
Um, okay. It might be awkward. Well, it would be super awkward for him. I would love every second of it. Uh, all right, so I have a question from one of my coworkers okay. who's a big, big fan of yours. Yeah. And she wanted me to ask you. Her name is Andrea. She's been on the podcast before. Hello, and Andrea. peek behind the curtain. You're actually going to get to meet her later because she's coming to our event, okay. which is great for everyone on the podcast. Like, you know, that already <laughs> happened. Um, so she wanted to know if you could spend a day with one of your characters, who would it be? And what do you think you guys would do or talk about? Oh, that's a really hard one. Uh, you can blame her. Yeah, I try that's to a give softballs. I mean, like I can. I think probably, actually, maybe Jenya, because then I could be like, "Fix my face, Jenya." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, just Jenya. Um, or. Maybe, I don't know, Nina is so much fun. Jesper, I think, would be a hoot. Like, I think he would just be really, like, you would have a great time with him no matter what. Mm -hmm. But I guess if I had to, had to, had to pick, I would probably pick um, Nikolai, the Mm -hmm. king of Ravka, because you could hang with royalty. Uh Probably go to an amazing party. Yeah. Go on a flying ship. Can't go wrong with that. No. So I think, I think probably Nikolai. Right. Well, you just made her very happy, Yay. I'm sure. I want to know who she would spend time with. I'm sure she has an in-depth answer for okay. you. She <laughs> is, she thinks she is a lot of... She was actually drinking... Oh, she's going to hate me for this. She was drinking from a coffee mug of one of your books this morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, came over. She's like, hey, look at my Lee Bardugo coffee mug. That and is I was so like, cool. Oh, I love yeah. that. Um, okay, so when you aren't reading and writing, how do you like to spend your free time? <laughs> Um, I'm going to be 100% real and just say I have very little free time. Um, when I'm not yeah. on deadline, I'm usually promoting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't write when I'm on tour. I'm yeah. Of, like, I just get tired on tour, so, uh-huh. um, I don't write when I'm on tour. And, um, you know, I, I get to see my friends who I very rarely get to see. Sure. They're very patient with me. I do love to travel. I actually did a vacation to Venice, which is one of my favorite cities. Nice. Yeah, this last Christmas. Um, and that was phenomenal. And I made a deal with myself that I wasn't going to work at all while I was, while I was there. I was, did you keep to that? Yeah, I did. Nice. I did. I, we, Jimmy and I spent like one day reading stuff that we needed to read, but the rest of the time we were sightseers mm-hmm. and it was incredible. And in fact, I downloaded this incredible audio tour. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And actually this is, this tells you what kind of person I am. Like, I love you, Jimmy. You're not listening, but if you were, like, um, but he went to Florence one day and I was like, I'm going to download this audio guide. And I did just a walking tour by myself through the city. Yeah. And it was like my favorite. Oh, that's amazing. Because it was just, I felt like I was on this like secret magical scavenger hunt mm-hmm. that nobody knew about. Yeah. I had this little voice in my ear. It was so awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned promoting and you're really active on Twitter and it's fun to see I love authors who interact with their fans mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of days and weeks not only sending you messages about how much I love your books but like showing you like cosplay like yeah. dressing up as characters you've created so I, you made a thing that people are, love so much that they want to dress up as people you made so I, what is that like what is that I weird honestly yeah it's super weird Mm -hmm. like I wasn't I didn't grow up in that culture you know like I think it maybe it's different if you're a writer coming up now yeah because like you're probably you could been a fan online and Mm -hmm. like you know what that like when I remember I didn't know anything about like YA fandom yeah like I I never I didn't know what team Edward was like I didn't know what any of those (laughs) things were and so the whole concept was sort of um 
crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And yet I still, like, if I see some, like, I, I'll see Anne Rice tweet and I'll get really excited. Yeah. Even though it's probably her assistant. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, ah, Anne is tweeting, you know. Yeah. Um, so to a certain extent I get it, but it's just been this, like, bizarre and amusing revelation. And, like, I don't know. It really, I, I think that people maybe don't realize how much, and I can't speak for everybody, but mm-hmm. I, most of the authors I know um, are really it's very like it fortifies you to yeah. see things like that because we live such solitary lives and um, spend so much time. We put so much into these, you know, a book takes so much of your time and so much of your heart and you doubt yourself through so much of it. And then to see people embrace it and see people, you know, changing their Twitter handles to the name of the character yeah. or making a playlist. Mm-hmm. You know, I download my readers playlist all the time because I want to discover new music. Right. And it's an incredibly cool to find like, and I find inspiration in them and, like when I was working on Crooked Kingdom, I went into the Tumblr tags at one point and this artist had drawn a scene that literally could have been the scene I was writing at uh-huh. that moment. And it's this moment where you feel like you're all just in like one big family. Right. And, and I love also finding out that my readers and I fan over the same things. Yeah. Like if they're Hamilton fans or Game of Thrones fans. Okay. Like You also, the other thing we talk about all the time this podcast is Hamilton. <laughs> All of my coworkers were really tired of me talking about Hamilton. <laughs> that makes me so happy. There are many Hamilton references in Crooked Kingdom. Well, no. thank goodness. That makes me so-, <laughs> so. Not only is it like the having fans that interact with you, but I've noticed the YA author community seems mm-hmm. to be like really like close knit. Like I'll yeah. see YA authors tweeting at each other, and like I'll go to conferences, and they're all like friends. And I don't really see that in other genres. Is that no. kind of? <laughs> accurate it's i mean i'm not in other genres i kind of imagine point. like literary authors being like i don't know going to like wine and cheese parties or something <laughs> but um i think that i mean the ya community is really large but also very small too mm-hmm. and what's unique about our community is we do have these huge conferences and festivals all the time right and so we see each other on the same panels and we hang out in the green room mm-hmm. and we read each other's books yeah. And, um, you know, we do in conversation events where, you know, and I've had the opportunity to meet people who I've, you know, absolutely idolized. Um, I remember on one of my very first panels was at Austin Teen Book Festival that's now Texas Teen Book Festival, which happens next week. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was sitting next to Libba Bray. Yeah. And I honestly don't remember the first 10 minutes of that panel Mm -hmm. because my heart was just thundering in my chest, you know. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, I mean, look, no, we're not all besties. Right. Like, yeah. You know, there's too many of us. Yeah. That. But it is an incredibly supportive community, and we all get what we're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, like we all are sort of in the same boat. Yeah. So um, it's one of the sort of very surprising things about the, the writing, like this whole writing life that I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. All right, so towards the end of our podcast, I have nine questions that are rapid fire. There's, oh, God. They're okay. called the Nerd Nine. They're not... The Nerd Nine. Yeah, professional book nerds. I'm a right. dork, and I'm proud of it. So um, not a lot of thought on these, just first thing that comes to your head. Okay. So what's the last book you read? Oh, uh, I just started Three Dark Crowns by Kandari Blake, mm-hmm. and um, The Female of the Species by Mindy McGinnis is fantastic. Favorite place to read? Um, probably in bed. Uh, guilty pleasure like mine I have if you go on my Instagram it's just a stupid amount of pictures of my dogs like that's not a guilty I don't get guilty about pleasure well I don't feel guilty about it but it's like I'll like start scrolling through and be like there's one of them there's oh my god that's 15 in a row um I mean like um I'm kind of a magpie like I like I have 
like literally I traveled a pound of jewelry in my bag. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I weighed it once. That's like, amazing. Yeah. Um, what's one place you'd love to travel that you haven't yet been to? Oh man. Um, I would love to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I was supposed to go this year and I couldn't do it because of deadlines, but that is like number one on my wish list. Okay. Yeah. Favorite holiday? Uh, I, I'm Jewish, but I love Christmas. <laughs> It's so okay. Best. That's okay. I'm half Jewish. If you can be half religion, and I also love Christmas. That's yeah, okay. I do. It's the best. Favorite movie? Oh, can I give you like top five? Sure. Okay, The Untouchables. Uh huh. Strictly Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Romancing the Stone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> can I give you top five and then I'm gonna? No, I'm gonna go with those. Those are good. That, no, that's perfect. That's those more than that. Yeah. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Um, I mean. Like I oh okay there's this there's this like caviar yogurt dip that in Greek food is called tarama salata or tarama and that's my favorite perfect yeah. and the last one is if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive who would you pick my dad that's a perfectly wonderful answer one last question for you yes what do you hope readers take away from reading your books oh man I mean when I think about the books that meant the most to me they were the ones that I just could vanish into, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I don't like, I don't like my favorite book when I was in high school that I read again and again was actually a novella by Stephen King mm-hmm. called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which yeah. became the Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Right. And, um, and I don't know why, like a brutal prison break story was my maybe <laughs> because I hated high school. It's like, I'm getting out of this dump. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I don't like I guess what I'd like them to find is that escape mm-hmm. or like whatever they need in the book in that moment you mm-hmm. know like if like that's what I want them to take away from it a world they can come back to that will always be there for them mm-hmm. that's a perfect way to end Lee thank you so much for joining us today thank you for the great interview that was fun absolutely Yay. readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.